Welcome to episode eight of God's Own Scale. Um, this is coming absolutely hot on the tail of episode seven, which went up about one o'clock this morning. Um, and I'm very pleased to say that God's Own Scale is back on the tracks, uh, back in the land of the living, been taken out of cold storage, resuscitated and back on the airwaves for everybody's aural pleasure. Um, and I've got two very, very special guests who both reached out to me over the the lost weekend period. Let's say, well, let's call it that for the podcast. Uh, the lost weekend period, which uh, stretched on for about seven months, but both of these gentlemen have reached out to me over that time uh, and have been um, partly responsible for it uh, being resuscitated back in, in, into life. So, I have Mr. Peter Berry. Hi there. Hi, Peter. And Mr. Per Broden. Hi, Hi there. How are you doing, guys? It, it's it's very good to speak to both of you. I've spoken to both of you before on the podcast, um, but that was last year, and it seems like a generation ago now. We're in a very strange place, aren't we, in the world? A world that I don't think any of us could have anticipated. So, yes, it's a, been a... A very strange time indeed, Sean. I totally agree. And uh, I'm kind of in a, uh, I, I don't know, I, I don't think we even knew when it started and perhaps even when when uh, you know, some countries started doing this and that, you know, I, I wasn't still sure what was going to happen, you know, and, and then suddenly everything kind of very quickly, uh, you know, for some countries, obviously, <clears throat> Sweden, where I'm from, perhaps the different measures than other countries and, and perhaps a little bit slow here in the UK. But we kind of basically in sitting at home now quite often. So uh, yeah, very very different. Yeah. And you're in London, aren't you, Per? So um, London city as the change is somewhat more than a lot of the rest of the country. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it it's been quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, my biggest interest, I guess, is going back to work and so on. Eventually, you know how that will look like uh, in in the sense of. You know, officers, etc., can prepare themselves and so on. But I mean, you know, everyone having travelled public service, you know, in London, which a lot of us do, knows that it's quite difficult to keep two metres away from each other, you know, and physically, etc. So, I think that will be an interesting time. Now, hopefully, it will be done in a in a way so we avoid this kind of the second wave and so on. Uh, you know, the sooner the better we get back and so on. But also. When it's safe, you know. So I think I, I'm in a luckily in a position where perhaps I might not be in the first wave of people needing to go back. I've been working full time since it started, and we're doing that from home. And there is no reason we can't continue with 90% of what we do in that way. So I'm kind of feel very lucky. I mean, you know, other people obviously lost their jobs, etc., and so on. Uh, that doesn't mean. We will not lose our jobs moving forward, you know, even if we've been working through this process, because obviously we'll have an impact, etc. So I think we kind of, you know, it's health and safety, it's economical insanity, you know, all those kind of stuff that's placed in, which is quite interesting. Uh, As we investigate what uh, we've been able to do at Bacchus, it's, it's, it's a permanent, if I do this, what are the implications of that? Uh, and whether we know we're doing it or not, I think it's something that's going on in the back of our minds all the time. 
Yes, yeah, yeah it's a, it's unprecedented. I mean, the word unprecedented doesn't do it justice, does it? I don't think. And certainly, I think we'll look back on this. It, it, making the assumption that at some point we come out of it and, and life does return to semblance of normality. This is something I think that uh, will go down in the history books as uh, being something that is, is uh, generation defining, I think, is one way I've heard people put it. However, the tagline for this podcast has always been the podcast of positivity. Um, <laughs> and, and, and people don't come to listen to uh, God's Own Scale uh, to be reminded of what's going on outside the front door. They want to know what's going on in their hobby rooms and with their collections of unpainted lead and looking forward to getting back to some face-to-face gaming. So uh, I've, got two, I've got the two perfect people here. We've got the producer of the finest little figures uh, in the world, and we've got one of the leaders of the world uh, in producing six millimeter games and displays. So this is the perfect combination. It's like the perfect storm come together. Whatever the the opposite of the perfect storm is, I'm not sure what that is, but it, perfect storm's not necessarily a good thing, is it? But if you know what I mean, the the sum is greater than the parts, or the parts are greater than the sum. I'm not sure which way round it is, but so Peter um, Bacchus miniatures. Then I know that you've been keeping people up to date with Facebook posts and social media posts, but just give us a bit of a a rundown on how life has been in the first six months of 2020. Um, I, interesting times. The the first three months we were going like a train. Um, uh, the project that we'd had in hand from last year when we expanded the premises was just beginning to to get into gear. And strange enough, the week before lockdown, um, I was in the process of interviewing for three new members of staff. Uh, to help with the casting and the admin and we the release of new rangers was well on target and in fact we would probably have excelled for the first time ever uh, what i predicted at the beginning of the year but yeah the 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 whole covid thing suddenly put this massive immovable object in the way of our irresistible force and the whole thing came to a shuddering halt uh the interview process, the recruitment process for new staff stopped dead in its tracks at that stage. And we went from having three full-time casting machines, uh, fulfilling orders, straight away to one. Crikey. A huge impact. That uh, immediately just changed the way we had to operate the business. Uh, Safety of staff is absolutely paramount as far as I'm concerned. And that includes production, output, new items, absolutely everything. We had configured the workshop for absolute maximum uh, efficiency. Three casting machines side by side, all within very easy access of all the moulds and all the equipment required. But that very efficient design meant that all the staff there were working in very close proximity. All of this has meant that the output, which uh, we were handling very nicely, has basically dropped by two thirds, which has massive implications 
for all concerned, uh, primarily uh, for our customers because we can't get the orders out as timely as everybody would wish, uh, which has resulted in us having to open the shopping cart for limited periods, uh, fill it up until we can take no more, close it down, and then cast the orders that we've had in and then reopen it. The other option would be to just leave the shopping cart open and see the time it would take to get to any of these orders going further and further into the future, which would satisfy nobody at all. Uh, it's also meant that the projects that we've had in hand have been severely curtailed. It's, that, it's not that they're going ahead. We're actually producing a lot of new masters and uh, new production moulds for ranges we said we produce. It's just that it's not worth me releasing at the moment because all that will do is create an extra demand for the new shiny toys we just cannot fulfil. So it's, 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 it's difficult. There's a lot going on behind the scenes which people won't be aware of. Uh, there's a lot happening, but it seems we're running very, very slowly. And it's important that we get the message out about that, that people understand it, which is why I've been on social media and, and on my website trying to explain the situation as honestly and clearly as I can to people so I can give realistic expectations of what we can do and not build up hopes without promise of, without an ability to deliver on the promises. Now, I hope this is going to get better. We have material plans in place to uh, restructure certain aspects of the Bacchus workspace, which will protect staff, and that will enable us then to certainly bring one more caster in, which will help things. Um, right. I think that's probably as much as I, I can say at that. And uh, so if there's any questions, really. Well, yeah, I think uh, from my point of view, uh, look, uh, from the outside looking in, and I think this applies to the whole industry because you, Bacchus can't be the only manufacturer that has faced these challenges. But as far as I'm aware, you're the only one that is in this sort of open communication and dialogue uh, with with the customer and actually taking that proactive step to turn off the shopping cart uh, and turning people away from your door to enable you to get orders that are placed out in a reasonable time. I don't, I don't know if you're in contact with any other manufacturers at all, Peter. Um, well, I know, I know that he, um, uh, Heroics are operating on a limited basis, and they have done something similar, basically by just reducing the amount of uh, range that they have on sale. Yeah. But I know Andy will struggle under these circumstances the same way that, that we do. Um, we love customers. We love people placing orders. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're in business. That's what, that's what we do. Uh, but we, we, we've just got to find a way of, of coping. And I'm sure most people understand that. And we've had very few people demanding their money back and cancelling their orders in disgust or, or whatever. We, I mean, I've had a few issues. Uh, and the other problem we face, and, and this will be across the board in every single aspect of life, not just the, our little war games industry, is that mail services all around the world are suffering hugely. 
Yes. Uh, I'm placing an order, sending it out by first class post. It can take 10 to 14 days to arrive. Not all of them. You know, a lot are getting through and on time. And overseas orders, it's it's almost anybody's guess as to when those are going across. Yeah. Uh, they're not running as many air flights. Uh, there they would normally go on um, ordinary passenger flights as, as excess hold. Uh, they're not running as often. Uh, and I've had a, a contact from one of my customers in, in Canada. An order took 12 weeks to get through to him. Uh, luckily, he was very, very patient about it. He understood the situation. Uh, and he's saying that the Canadian Postal Service is under massive strain. And he's a big, big country for a start. Massive yes. country. Uh, but they're, they're talking about holding stuff in quarantine from overseas for 14 days before they then begin to process it. So it's very hard for the customer. They're stuck at home. They want their little toy soldiers. They want them now because they're bored and witless. Yes. I'm sure they've all got through their lead mountains that they've got piled up. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's actually really interesting looking at the orders. Um, our sales of bases, our basing materials for our basing system, and our flags have shot through the roof. And it's... <laughs> And, and you can just see it in my mind's eye. They've finished this, this project. It's been stuck in the drawers for the past 10 years. And they've just got, they need bases, they need basic stuff, and they need flags, and they need them now. It's uh, it's really, really obvious when you see the shape of the orders. It's quite ironic. I've placed an order for bases myself today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, alongside the manufacturing um, slowdown, that, that's going on um of course we've we've all missed out on the shows uh in particular salute yes well obviously i mean there's a financial aspect to the um salute and the joy of sin two biggest shows of the year and um, they've both gone down the drain uh but it's all the other shows as well but it's the shows are Speaking very personally, my main means of communicating directly with my customers and, and talking to potential new customers. And I read, I really quite enjoy them, that they are an ability to get out there, to get feedback from people and to get ideas and inspiration. And they're a vital, vital part of the hobby as a whole. And I would also say of, of my little business. And yeah, I've missed them dreadfully. Pair, I know that um, you were due to show your game at Salute this year. I take it that was a big kicker for yourself, was it, to miss yeah. out on that opportunity? Well, 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 it is. I mean, you know, of course, not being kind of disgruntled about it because there's, it's a you know no-brainer you know decision. But yeah, it was exciting because we had. Uh, but it's to get the spot, you know, as you enter Salute, you know, that's where the Poltava would have been placed, you know, the first kind of table you would have seen if you looked to your right, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm very excited about it, you know, so I assembled some friends and family to come and help and support, you know, Nick was, you know, as, as always coming down and, and do it. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it is really the kind of, you know, so from that perspective, but, you know, we have still have the, still have the tickets here for next year because they're kind of just rolling over the show, you know, uh, to next year. So, We'll be back again, you know, and, and uh, you know, 
hopefully it will last, you know, the, that bloody matter did haven't deteriorated too much, I hope, in a year's time, you know. <laughs> yes. So, uh, hopefully the moths <laughs> haven't got to it. Absolutely. So, so, no, no, but so, so yeah, I, I agree, you know, and, and as Peter say, you know, it is the chance, you know, where you can kind of meet up and you can see stuff and especially, you know, uh, new scales and so on, like, uh, if, if people are interested in six mil, I mean, uh, we all have seen Peter kind of Peter stand, you know, where those nicely you know, painted miniatures are in, and you can actually get a view of how it actually looks like, you know, and uh, which perhaps is difficult for some people. I mean, I, I still, you know, I, I have, a, as you know, a little bit of activity on social media, emails from people, how do you paint something so small, how could you do this and that and so on, because they have, for them it's just a difficult concept, although it is, you know, someone paints belt buckles and stuff, you know, on the Space Marines, you know, to nth level of detail, and they're worried about painting 6 mil. you know what I mean? So I'm kind yes. of, and I think it's a good, you know, and obviously at the show you can see this and look at these things, you know, rather than just imagine that it's really difficult. So I think, you know, missing that kind of thing. Now, now I have a, as you know, I have a wider interest in just 6 mil, but, you know, so for me it's always a good chance to show to find those new things and see those things, and really... The hobby is, you know, it's an important part of the hobby. You know, it's uh, it's boring just to kind of, you know, get uh, the mail orders in, you know, all the time. You know, it's not the same really. So, but yeah, you know, there's not much we can do. You know, I've, I've been busy with my lead mount, and I actually haven't made any orders from Peter since this started. So I'm kind of working off more the stuff I bought from him over the years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. When I, I will, I have a lot so to catch up on. So when, eventually, when you open, but I thought I'm not going to be the one closing you next time, but I'm, I might be the one opening up something. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good point, really. That um, and you've both alluded to it there that the shows, particularly where you're in attendance, Peter, is is a, a great work, a great place to evangelise. About six mil. I know we've talked about this in the past, haven't we? But um, we're missing out on that opportunity uh, to. Uh, and so shows are social events as much as shopping experiences. Um, I appreciate that, and it's a great way for us all to uh, connect with people that we might not see in, on a daily basis. But I know, I know I've certainly missed um, the shows from that perspective. It's it's been great for my bank balance, but. Um, not so great for increasing the lead mounting, which I like to do every year. Um, and ironically, although um, we've been in lockdown, I, I appear to have been busier than ever with work and homeschooling. So my production uh, levels have fallen to an all-time low, albeit I've been working a little bit on it today. Um, so you mentioned there, Joe Six, Peter, that that's uh, obviously you know, salute, put, let's put salute to one side. Yes, it's the biggest one day show um, in, in the UK and, and possibly Europe. I don't know. I don't know if it's bigger than uh, some of the European shows, but Joy it's, 6. It's the biggest in the world. It's the biggest in the world. There we go. Um, I mean, some Americans might dispute with Historicon, but we'll see. Yeah, and it's, I think, I think it's, it's one day, isn't it? Whereas Historicans, yeah. is it three or four days? I think so. Yes, yeah, very, very different rules. Very yes. different rules. Yeah, absolutely. And the less shopping experiences, I think, aren't they? The, the, 
the American conventions. Yep. Yep. Uh, I know they so have they a trade. They're there to play. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but Joy Six, I think, was the 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 big one that we've all missed out on. Uh, not least yourself, obviously, Peter, but as well as that loyal band of uh, producers of of the demonstration and participation games and the customers that will come along and in particular those six mil curious customers who will come along and get converted over to god's own scale so uh, how big a decision was it for yourself to postpone joy of six for this year well it, it was both a massive decision and an easy decision um there was we we held up as long as we could in terms of making it, but it's it's been pretty obvious for the past month that there was no way that we would get a social gathering of any size back in the UK by the time we talk about early July. I mean, people talk about going out and perhaps opening the pubs, but that's all up in the air. And also, how can you run a war game show, especially one like the Joe Six, which you know, is very healthily attended? with everybody having to stay two metres apart. <laughs> it just, just couldn't work. We couldn't, we couldn't even do the logistics of loading and unloading people and games and traders. Um, so it, it wasn't a difficult decision to make in terms of practicality, but it, it was a hard one. Um, we, as the organisers, have uh, a fairly strong attachment to something like this uh, it's the same with anybody who puts an event like this so to, to call it off is uh, is hard but what we've done is um, we've told all the traders who had booked trade stands for this year that their trade stand will be considered booked for 2021 um, we'll be doing the same with the games so if you've sent in a, a, a game booking form to reserve your space for 2020 and have been accepted that will be rolled forward into 2021 the university uh, who are the hosts of the event have, have been brilliant uh, they've understood exactly our situation they haven't charged us any full cancellation fee and uh, they were by reply to my email informing them uh, asking me to confirm the date for next year which we have done so it's it's people it's it's, it's a, an interesting semantic term, but perhaps it's not so much cancelled as postponed. It's got more of a positive spin to it, I think, postponement because that indicates that it will be on again, whereas cancelled, uh, I don't know, just feels a bit more negative uh, towards the situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the, it may be that some shows don't go ahead this year and then just don't go ahead after because momentum is a really important thing in the world and especially in terms of organizing a show where you have to for people if you're a club to you know put a lot of hard work in both before during and after the event to make sure it's a success success for no real tangible reward and i mean uh, club members uh, at some shows are there loading and unloading the traders running around organizers getting abuse uh because a table's too close or a trade sounds too small it's it's a thankless task and uh, i i just wonder if a couple might just go mm, is it worth the candle for 
carry on. I don't know. I hope not. Uh, but that's always a possibility we have to look at. Yeah, and I don't know if it's just me, but it feels as though a lot of the small shows have gone by the wayside anyway over the years. It felt, this may be just rose-tinted glasses, but I could look back on shows from 15 years ago and there's almost one every weekend. Uh, it probably There probably still is. It might just be my impression, but the survival of some of these shows must be in question, particularly if they haven't had as accommodating hosts have you, as you've had with the university, I imagine. Yes, I mean that that's that would always be worried. The fact uh, that you know the outlay for the venue can be considerable, and if you cannot say come to some sort of arrangement with the uh, with the host with the venue, uh, yes, there could be issues. And uh, I feel sorry for for anybody who's in that situation. I really hope it doesn't come to that because I think, as we said earlier in this. The shows are on a life-blood hobby to, to a great extent over here. And just one going will be sorely missed. Uh, but over the years, there, there's a natural order of these things. You have found shows going under. Uh, I mean, Sheffield Triples and the Nationals, you know, the old Derby Nationals, are two massive examples of that. Yes. Uh, but there's new shows come along. Look at Hammerhead. Yes. Which, which is just soared. It, it, it is an amazing show. Paul and Sally have, have really, really dragged that from nowhere to one of the premier shows in the country. Uh, the Joy of Six has come from virtually nothing in the past three or four years to, certainly with the six-mill calendar, to become quite an event. So I think there's always going to be a natural Darwinian order to these things. Uh, it, but this is quite a big shakeout. Uh, and I'm hoping it's not going to be our you know, big, big bright light in the sky coming to hit, hit the planet. Uh, I hope uh, we, we don't get a massive wipeout of uh, shows, companies, whatever. Uh, fingers crossed for everybody in the industry, in, in the hobby. You know, we feel for all of you. Yeah, Peter, I, I think I, I think there is bad potential here, but I think that community will kind of come back you know in the sense maybe some companies will will fare badly and I, I agree with that I've seen some positive things you know in the terms of actually dealing with the situation now without there is some kind of gaming that's happening online etc and so, uh, which obviously people are still doing kind of games uh, online uh, and basically it is it's not doing computer games online but actually miniature games so I've been in a situation twice now actually staring at someone's miniature table you know which is fascinating I mean there are apps and so on but actually they're still there and I guess once this started again we'll we'll kind of go back because it is that physical element of it for me the show and I, and I know that you live and thrive of it Peter but it is for me I don't probably do very little on my annual purchasing at the shows because for me it's more to walk around etc and to get that connection you know to see something in the flesh so I think that those shows will come back but I think you're right you know in the sense that maybe some of them not be able to come back because if you think uh, some shows might kind of I guess salute to some degree is is dependent on the revenue generates one year for the next year you know in, in that sense so it's I'm happy that they've obviously been able to have those reserves so they can deal with it because that's the, the fear I guess other shows might not have that they might just have kind of live for the next show so to speak so 
think so. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, yes. Yeah, Sean has to be positive, and I'll, I'll say on the positive side of it, no matter yeah. what happens, the hobby may be different, it may be shaped differently, maybe heading differently. I don't know. Uh, I have no crystal ball on this. But it will be different, not worse. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think you're right there. I think people people will naturally adapt, won't they, to the, their environment that they find themselves in. Um, because the, the the desire to still play games and still buy the miniatures, we don't have to go to a show to buy miniatures. Um, and with the technology, as Pears alluded to there, where you can, where I've I've seen examples of people playing war games over Zoom or Skype or some online video sharing thing, where one player moves the figures, and you've got a couple of people basically shouting out where they where they want to go so i think we will adapt um i think for the the grognards in the hobby that might be harder than the younger folk who are coming through but i, th- I think we'll certainly uh, adapt to the new environment uh, yes I, I do want to keep on the positive side peter i was just uh, just as a sort of final point around the business um, which may stray into the more neutral territory rather than positive is, and you, I know you haven't got a crystal ball, but what sort of impact do you think this will have long term on the industry itself? Ooh, that that one's a tricky one. I think you'll find that most of the major suppliers, uh, manufacturers, should be okay. Um, if because if anything like us, they're basically operating on reduced income, but we're able to reduce to a certain extent the costs. I mean, the government furlough scheme is, has been uh, tremendous. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a great fan of this current government, but I will give credit where credit's due on that particular point. Uh, and then it's how quickly we can get things moving again. Uh, we cannot operate under current conditions as we were before. I suspect that's going to be the same for others. Uh, and I don't know how quickly we'll be able to crank that up. And again, when I say we, I mean across the board in the industry. You will find, I suspect, that those companies that are run, as Backer started, as, as a guy with a casting machine out of his shed, will go on because, again, they have negligible overheads. It's a, it's a hobby income, a secondary income, and hopefully the primary income is still there through the economic kerfuffle that's going to happen. So I, I can't see it hitting those two extreme ends of the market. It's perhaps the guys in the middle, the guys who are just starting out, the guys who perhaps haven't got as good a control over the overheads because they're having to pay someone else to do the casting for them. It, they're the ones who are going to, going to get squeezed. Uh, now, I hope, again, that's not the case because those first two groups, the, 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 the guy just starting out and the guy in the middle, they're the seedbed for the future of the business, yes. uh, the whole industry. But that's, that's, I think, where it will squeeze most. I think it'll squeeze in the middle. I'm willing to be proved completely wrong on that point, and I hope I am. Uh, I, I really do hope everybody gets through this. But yeah, and I think so say all of us. Yeah, I think so say all of us that... Clearly, we want the industry to survive and 
uh, what's going on in the in the wider world. But we we see so much, don't we, um, going on um, in, in the wider employment market and industry and job losses and it's it's just a scary time quite apart from the health and safety of, of people and customers and and employers and employees but it's an unknown isn't it and if we had a crystal ball obviously it'd be great to give us some confidence that we will eventually come out of it but um so the first six months for Bacchus have, have been quite a, a challenge then peter and something that i'm sure you never envisage but let's let's get in, into that positive side and and look forward to the next 6 months what is on what what's on the horizon for bacchus for the next 6 okay. months well I'll, I'll i'll start on the practical side of things we've worked very hard and, and here again i'm going to give a good shout out to my partner lindy um who has put endless hours in into working out uh, staff rotors, safe staff rotors, uh, helped me brainstorm ideas for getting some safety uh, points in. She's very good at health and safety. That, that's basically what she does. Uh, so over the course of the next couple of months, we're going to put some physical alterations into the workshop, buying what PPE we can. I gathered it's in British scarce supply at the moment. Yes, um, yes. Very low on the priority in terms of getting it. But we, we, we do have basic PP in place. We've got stuff like this. And then reintroducing staff. Uh, we can't get up to the three people working full time that we had. So our, our production is going to suffer in the medium term. Even if we get it two thirds, it's better than one third of what we had. But that's the way we're looking to, to move things forward on that front. And, and I'm pretty optimistic on that. We have managed to keep our mould maker, uh, the, the chap who now basically handles all the patterns and, and does the production side, the pre-production side of things. He's managing to keep going. He's, he's, he's working weekends. He comes in at weekends and he's done the sterling job. Uh, but he's also... Uh, chief designer on the World War Two project, which we were going full full guns with, and again that seems to stopped. And it's not because we haven't done anything. Uh, in conversation with him a couple of weeks ago, we worked out he's got a hundred models to make. Wow! These <laughs> these are models to be coming out. There's over a hundred vehicles to come out, and he's he's knocked out that off. There's more since then. Uh, and that's without the the latest batch of uh, vehicles to come back from the the printing bureau. Uh, so all the things that people have been asking for us to do, we're, we're going to do. But it's we could release some of them now. But as I say, the last thing I want to do is to suddenly release these. Create a demand and say, sorry, you can't have them because the shopping cart's closed. <laughs> yeah. I think that would create further disappointment. We have a World War One Serbian range. All the moulds are made, all the figures are painted, they're just ready to be photographed. But again, I'm reluctant to release new stuff at the moment, not because well, I don't really have a lot of time to put into the admin side of it, I'll be honest on that, because I'm, I'm casting. Yeah. I'm casting team. Uh, again, the second half of the year, you'll see these things filtering through. And the massive, massive project that we really were going to be launching this year was the Pony Wars project 
uh, and that is moving really quickly behind the scenes. We've got uh, the rules have now been not completely laid out, but laid out to the point whereby we are just going to get the photographs and illustrations in. We've got the the, the printer uh, he sought out, primed and raring to go. I've got the other two members of the team who were on the, on the rules side of it, which is Mike Bussey and John Spencer, the, the original crew. And they've, they're now on board there. They've actually dusted off the old original Pony Wars set, which was done in 15 mil. And we're going to get some photographs of that for inclusion. So that whole side of things is moving really quickly. And I'm hoping to be able to get to a point. We, we have a, a page designed so that people can subscribe to, to, to the rules, uh, order pre-publication pro uh, copies. That's just about prime and ready to go, uh, bar a couple of details. So that's that will be happening very, very shortly. And alongside that, uh, we've got some wonderful, wonderful figures sculpted and now moulded uh, to accompany it. So some people have seen them on the website. I don't know if you have. The yes. US Cavalry. Yeah, I've uh, seen those. Now got Indians, we've, we've got the civilian settlers, and, and they're, they're stunning little schools. Um, In that case, Peter, I take yeah. a, back what I said before about perhaps not ordering you out of business again. <laughs> so, <laughs> again, I, I mean, um, it's what what do we do? People want yeah. these. People see we know they want. Believe me, the, the emails indicate people want these. But and we do intend to release them this year. But I think what people find is we'll release these as a whole rather than just as I would have done before us, you know, releasing half the range or a quarter of the range and then building up with it. So we're, we're getting to the point whereby we think we'll just have a whole batch of stuff to come out rather than in dribs and drabs. Uh, I mean, I've just seen the, the, the patterns for the stagecoach which you're going to have, the stagecoach mm -hmm. model, and it's great. <laughs> it is, it's straight out of the uh, 1950s, 1940s, 50s Hollywood. So the whole thing is, is, is just bubbling along very, very nicely. And uh, I'm working with somebody producing buildings to go with it. So the complete package. So we, we're, not, we're not standing still. It hasn't crippled us in terms of getting used to that. And I'm really, as you can probably tell, quite excited about this stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's, again, what we live for. We live to get the new stuff out. People like what we do that, that's, and buy it, which is the other nice side of it. So we're continuing to invest in the future of the business. I think that's probably the message I'll give from that. Can't give firm release dates uh, because, as we all know, events, the boy events are getting in the way. But the aim is to have this slot out or as much of this slot out by the end of the year as we possibly can. Well, what is, what is fascinating is uh, about the demand that Peter is having is that I followed some, some uh, thread on... I don't know if it was Twitter or Facebook or something, but it's basically uh, people are now buying backer stuff on eBay for quite high prices, you know, in the sense because in that way. So it is, uh, it's it's really pressing there on your door, Peter. And so that I guess that is great for you, but at the same time frustrating, I suppose. But I, you know, uh, just talking for someone who has frequented your shopping carts over the years, you know, uh, you know, thanks for all the comms and so on. I mean, it's always been great and. And, uh, you know, you, you failing your promises, you do that on a regular basis, Peter, you know, but, but eventually you do deliver. I'm, I'm joking now because I got uh, 
Peter promised to Scania more for a long, uh, long time, and and eventually we got there. So I think whatever Peter says, he do, does deliver, uh, whatever it takes. You know, and that's quite impressive. Hundred vehicles, you said, waiting to yes. come out. Yeah, yeah, they, they are. Well, um, these are not just the models. These are models that have been put it through a pattern mold, and then we spun enough of those patterns off to make the molds. So we've got a hundred bags labelled up of shiny new vehicles, and all that requires is for those to be made into a hundred molds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that is great. So. And this again, if you can talk about frustration, it's when people go, yeah, well, the problem with the back is, and it's very limited, and they're quite true, it's very small, it's very limited, but I feel like shouting, but it isn't really, we've got all of these, <laughs> just the things you want, but <laughs> they're just sat there, so either I sort of like see my blood pressure go through the roof, or I just have a good laugh about it all, and I just know it's going to come through eventually. Yeah, it's great. I, I mean, but some of the vehicles you already have. I mean, you have the the British, a lot of the kind of recon, etc. And so there looks really fascinating that stuff, you know. And what you already have, so yeah, they're looking you forward to that as well. Yeah. I, I didn't uh, no, realize there were so many variants on British armored cars, just just for a period of twelve months. This is okay. without going to the desert or anything. But yeah, loads, loads. And you had to do them all then, yeah? So you had to do them all, yeah? We have to do them all, yes. Yeah. It's it's no use cherry-picking. Well, I've, I've said this before. If you're going to do a range, you might as well do it properly. No, I agree. And it, it is, you know, it's it's like someone said to me once, why, why I use, you know, back a 6mm? And I said, well, first of all, the scale is suitable for the game, but also... It's one of the few ranges that does Great Northern War in totality, you know, in that sense. So, uh, you know, I, I know that you're a completist in that sense. So we and we are grateful for that. So it's brilliant. Well, you have to remember that well before you met me, well before you knew I, I had a range like this. I designed the Great North War range because it's a period that I was absolutely fascinated and, and still am by. It was going to be complete because I wanted it complete. Yeah. So yeah, it's light and self-interest there, Per. I, I am aware of that, and that's great. So, and it served me as well because I also have a slight interest in that. <laughs> I've noticed. So. Anyway, so when 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 do we get the attacking uh, Great Northern Water, Peter? The the, um, the new ones you're yeah, working on. Honest with you. Yeah. Um, you would have had this year. Yeah. Uh, Pony Wars range not materialised, so as soon as the sculptor who is working on that particular range completes, and I'm hoping yep. that should be, well, it's got probably in the late autumn, I will yep. get into working on the re-sculpt on the Great North War range, and you're looking at early next year. Yeah, yeah, great. Anyway, uh, I, I'm. I'm still in that dilemma whether I replace my 600 bases with the new stuff or not, or whatever I have. But, of course uh, you must. <laughs> what a silly question. <laughs> of course you will. I guess I have to buy them first and then get, get the feeling. You only get the feeling when you get the pressure, you know. So, uh, yeah, there we go. 
No, no, it's great, great. Uh, sorry, I'm I'm just winding Peter up. I know that that will come eventually, and, and I understand the situation. I just thought I'll ask anyway. I am so delighted with the Scanian range. You know, it's 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 fantastic. The Sun King, well, as I'm, you I'm call glad. it, on your webpage. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. I mean, Louis XIV <laughs> did actually bring the Scanian <laughs> to an end. That's he? true. That's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And I guess it might sell a little bit better than Scanian War as well, but so as a title for it. I call it the Sun King and yeah. the Scanian War range. Yeah. yeah, but you're biased, Per. Of course. Yeah. I, th I think outside of a very small, very small portion of the war games community, there's not many people um, actually know that a place called Scania exists. Oh, there was a war there, or who fought in it? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, so if anyone wants to really know, I think I talked about it in the first show we had, uh, show number one, actually. So yes. all about it there. Yeah. So we won't bore anyone today about it. But it was a. But it is fascinating. It, it was fascinating. fascinating. It's Sweden versus Denmark. Denmark makes its last, well, not its last, but one of its attempt to <clears throat> to kind of get get a, a firmer hold of, of the Scanian region, which, of course, traditionally, up to that, it was part of Denmark, and a lot of their educational and cultural institutions are actually based in Scania, which is now Skåne, which is the southern port, part of Sweden. So it wasn't like, it was actually part of Denmark, uh, and Sweden felt it was part of Sweden, and so on. And, but since then, he has been uh, Swedish uh, after those war, and tried again in during the Great Northern War, but we we managed to 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 get rid of them at that time. So we, we'd all love, you know, to the Danes. In those times, we were less friendly with each other. Uh, I tell you, yeah, what, there's no rivalry at all now. Yeah, none at all, is there? No, no, no. Now it's fine. It's fine now. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. I, I tell you what, gentlemen, I could sit and listen to you both talk about this subject for hours. So, uh, well, we're trying to risk into it as, as you can see Sean because we, <laughs> yes. we've today so but, but yeah, it's a fascinating period and, and uh, so so because what I spent during lockdown I, I kind of looked through my uh, collections a little bit and I have kind of started some projects you know in different scales and so on but one of the things I have done is I have finalized my first Scotland war battle I'm working on which is the Battle of Lund 1676, which uh, was the kind of the, the real trial by fire, where the, the the father of Charles XII is kind of perhaps more famous in in war game as being the king during the Great Northern War. But the father of him, Charles XI, uh, he basically uh, uh, it's his proper kind of field battle where he kind of shines through, so to speak. And it's happening in winter, so I've been doing so, yeah and. It's during winter, so again, you know, as you might know, I've done some winter basing previously in two battles. I, if there's a winter battle, I'll do it because I love, uh, you know, snow, etc. on a battlefield. Uh, it's it kind of instills something very special, like that Christmassy feeling to the whole thing. So, You'll be doing Narva with the new figures then, won't you? Well, that that <laughs> is perhaps, that that, that is... That's what I would use them for, because it's it's also very suitable that they are attacking, uh, in the sense, because Nova, of course, is another battle where the the actually one one of the advantages is that the, they get fair wind and snow coming through, 
when the Swedes attacked through to, to Norway in 1700. And basically, the Russians are four times the size of the Swedish army. and But of course, they are in fortification, and the Swedes uh, break through, and then it becomes like a kind of a, a panic situation. Uh, and they kind of. Yeah, they, you know, they just roll them up. Exactly. And. Uh, you know, the analytical based and at Poltava, they're also in fortification, but actually they go out to meet the Swedes. Now, whether the Swedes would have kind of done the same at Poltava is debatable anyway, but being a Swede, I hope so. Uh, but, uh, of course, so so it, it, it is an important battle from that because it's the battle, uh, it's a little bit like uh, the Finnish Winter War in, in World War Two, where the kind of, that gives a certain feeling of where Hitler perhaps makes the decision that he can go for Barbarossa because the, the Russians are not uh, able to kind of withstand his might. The same way as the Swe- Swedish king of the Narva thinks the Russians are just useless soldiers and so on. But of course what happens is that Peter goes away, licks his wounds, and then comes Peter the Great. Sorry, not Peter Barry, but uh, Peter the Great goes away to lick his wounds and, and comes back with a reformed army, you know, later on, which then meets the Swedes, uh, much better f- f- uh, fighting force than it was. But the Swedes kind of uh, underestimates the Russians following Narva, I would say, is one of the things, uh, which is kind of tragic about the Great Northern War to some degree. But it is very difficult, I think, realistically, to believe that Sweden would have lasted. Uh, it, it's kind of almost a miracle that Sweden got the position it got itself in, rather than than any question about whether Sweden would have continued fighting or not in the Great Northern War. So it was an anomaly, you know, it was punching outside its own weight and so on. So I'm not kind of upset about it as a Swede. It's an interesting part of our history and we kind of... So there you go. (laughs) I I just loved listening to you both. (laughs) Sorry? Are you now better informed? I am better informed. It, yeah. it, it is a gap in my knowledge, I have to say. But having interviewed Pear previously on episode one and just listened to that, I and I, this is no joke, I could sit and listen to you both talk about it all night. <laughs> I really could. It's a fascinating uh, discussion. Um, Pear, then, I think that will probably nicely segue. Um, you've talked about your lockdown projects and you've come up with something rather special, haven't you? Uh, with your community project. Do you want to talk to us uh, a little bit about that? Yeah, so 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 one of the things with with the fact that, you know, show after show got ca- cancelled, you know, I, I was going to go to uh, a show Potava at Salute and it's cancelled and then, uh, you know, I was going to a Lardy Day, it was cancelled, it was... Uh, Joy of Six as well, which is kind of a, a, a family event it has become over the years. I remember last year, for example, I, I was working uh, uh, with MOD and I was in a site, you know, halfway through the country up and, you know, Natalie and the children, Natalie, my wife, kind of picked me up from there and then we went up to uh, to Sheffield, etc. And we spend a weekend there and, you know, we, we meet up, you know, we, we know Peter and his family, etc. And so on. And it's, it's a nice kind of thing. And and that that is, I guess, the the, the backside of it is, you know, it's not great, etc. And anyway, I was sitting there and I was thinking one day that perhaps, you know, uh, I could do a little bit of a project whereby you take a standard army that Peter produces 
for for most of his kind of rule sets. I'm not talking about the division or anything in, in World War Two, but normally Peter produces an army that has maybe eight bases of foot, uh, you know, maybe 12 mounted, you know, various uh, dragoons and, and horse, you know, the cuirassiers versus the kind of dragoons, and then a few artillery. Uh, what about if I should ask different people to paint one base worth of six millimeter miniatures? That is either 24 foot, you know, which is you know, the standard kind of, what is kind of refers to as the polymorph basing, the, the typical basing that Peter uh, has on, on his webpage of the miniatures, which is 24 foot or nine cavalry or, or artillery based on kind of a, a square three millimeter base. Uh, and the idea then would be that uh, individuals would then paint one army, sorry, paint an army together. So there's a community project, you know, like a club would paint miniatures for a, for a game, etc. you know, uh, involving people. Uh, and obviously there's something we can all do at home. The slight problem, of course, is that if I paint a miniature and 44 in this case, other people paint a miniature uh, and it would be like something like in 28 millimeter scale, uh, you know, there is a big difference in styles, etc. And it might be very difficult to put those 44 miniatures into an army that would kind of look the same. And we get the kind of feel that they were a coherent feel. So, so therefore, for me, you know, I thought six millimeter would be a perfect scale to do this in because uh, you have basically, you know, uh, units which if you paint them in a, in a similar fashion in that sense, but because we are looking at the unit from a distance and what I thought that if I could base all these different units, so I would actually, the idea is people would paint these units and I would then base them up. So there will be a uniform basing of all these units, uh, which, which I think is quite important because otherwise, you know, you might use cork when you base your, someone else might just clad it full of static or grout. Someone else might do a more kind of desert type of base and so on. And if you put that, as we all know, when we play with friends who have a different opposing army that has a desert theme and we play on, you know, it doesn't really look great in that sense. But then you'll get a, you actually get a situation where you might have 20 different bases in an army. So, so the idea was that <clears throat> basically asking people to paint just the miniatures, send them back to me, I will base them up, and uh, then we basically end up having kind of two armies. So backtracking a little bit, so I contacted Peter, who, you know, obviously I knew well, has closed shop, and so and I asked him that whether I could buy two armies from him as an idea, and, and you know, kindly Peter then said to me, well, that sounds like a great idea, I'll, I'll, I'll help you out. So basically... Uh, I got kind of Peter on board, it kind of saves me the expense to actually buy this army to start with, but also the actual administration of sending these things out. So what I basically have asked, so, so I went on, on Twitter and also I went to the, the War Games website and also to Lead Adventure Forum and I put up basically a call out to people presenting this idea. Uh, on purpose, I didn't target the kind of six millimeter on Facebook groups, etc., what I, what I wanted with this was really to get a, a mixed audience uh, that would actually kind of uh, join in to try to paint these miniatures. So, so what we ended up with was that there are 44 people, because we have a total of about 
that well that's the number of bases we have with with a few exceptions you're going to take away and paint either a foot unit or a cavalry unit uh to you know to to whatever standard they want to paint it at and some of them might have painted you know we we have some uh people in that list who have you know paint six millimeter miniatures for for a living we have some people who are uh, professional painters but perhaps mainly paint other scales we have people who are you know uh, seasoned hobbyists and we have some people perhaps who haven't really painted that much at all but we're all kind of coming together and and uh so basically, in a, in a few weeks' time, the first instance is that what I decided was that I, we're going to paint the Scanian War Range, as I talked about. And, and uh, the Scanian War Range, obviously, is, is a range that is for the Sun King era war, uh, which is actually its real name. It's me kind of joking that it's called that. But I, I've decided to create these two imaginary countries. Uh, one is called Denswe, which is if you kind of rearrange the numbers sorry, the letters is Sweden, and then one then is the other country, Ciaris, which is, of course, is Russia, if you rearrange the numbers. But it was just to create some kind of setting for these armies to be created. And what I didn't want to do necessarily was to do, a, you know, two armies, because it gives a little bit less freedom, and I want to have a little bit of fun in terms of creating these imaginary uh, armies, etc. Uh, so we kind of been on the back of that, creating a little bit of a, of a, of a blur about that, so to speak, it's kind of developed some flags for the different units, some names for each, each of the individuals. Uh, so we generated some names based on uh, who the person is who is painting, and we fused that with a member of the 1984 uh, Swedish ice hockey squad that played the World Cup in uh, uh, in that year. So that is the Swedish side. So, you know, I've taken the name of a player and fused that with a uh, the name of the painter and created some kind of strange name. And similarly on the Russian side, sorry, the Ciaris side, uh, I've taken the 1984 Russian ice hockey squad, which were one of the best uh, squads ever that ever played. You know, it was a horrendous regime, but they had some great ice hockey players. Uh, but the the kind of uh, so so that is a, it's kind of to set that setting. And we put it out actually last week on Monday, and I think we were kind of full by. By Thursday morning, it was full, fully kind of uh, prescribed, and I was a little bit worried whether people actually kind of accept to do it, whether people will have time. But it seems people take kind of good, good spirits and so on. The, now, so the big question is, what do you do with an army? And obviously, that we painted together. This is the kind of what I find sometimes the kind of club dilemma. You know, you you work hard on something, and then it's kind of the club who owns it. But some people might get more or less attached to it. So. It's a community project, and as I call it, it's for fun. And the, the main thing with it is for fun. Because what I really wanted to do is that we're kind of painting something together. But the second thing is for charity. And this is to get over. To be honest, it is not the primary function. It is as important as the other function. This wasn't driven from a charity need. But it is. You, you'll end up in a situation that, what do we do with these armies then? Who, you know, is everyone going to keep one base? You know, that they, do we going to send it back, etc. So we thought the best thing was to have like a charity at the back of it. So we're going to try to sell these two armies as a kind of a set uh, afterwards, and the proceeds will go to the combat stress charity. And 
the the kind of you know I have a few kind of but I, I need to talk to the people who are actually involved in that. So moving forward I'm not sure exactly how we do that. I'm looking at you know you can buy kind of uh, painted armies on eBay for some kind of what I would say for quite low prices, you know, yeah. in the sense that uh, I'm just thinking whether there could be a way to maximize the gain of this potentially. But the base idea is that uh, they'll be sold and the proceeds will go directly to the charity. I'm not, because I didn't want to end up in a situation where we, you know, take pictures of them and said, great, etc. And then people worry about whether I put them in, in you know, in a box at my house. I'm not interested in that. You know, I have, you know, uh, so many of these spaces already. So another 44 will not even be noted, you know, in that sense. So it's, uh, uh, but obviously, it's so we'll see what we do with that. Uh, another idea someone proposed is maybe to run a lottery where people pay maybe 10 quid to get a chance to get a, uh, win, you know, two armies. Maybe that is a better way to run the charity aspect of it. But but the current idea is, and I will not change it until the people who have already signed up, you know, either agree with what we do with it, etc. Because this is really our project, you know. So there's me and and 44 <coughs> people that are now doing this project, and uh, hopefully, you know, in maybe it will take Peter some time, as you, as we heard, Peter have, you know. Uh, limited operation. I'm, I am so grateful, though, that Peter will will take some time, but it will take a few weeks before we send this out. And way, then the people. Anybody be worried that this is getting in the way of orders? I will be casting these orders up in <laughs> what laughingly is called my spare time. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. Exactly. So that that's why it is. It it will not. This is not uh, prioritizing any on that side. So that's why, and everyone is informed. So we're not being sent this. Uh, until Peter is able to do so, and then we have some time to to paint. And we, we have a certain kind of standard instructions for the armies, but I want people really to get the kind of creative juices flowing and paint either very you know simple schemes. So if someone want to go crazy, then fine. It's it's really up to each individual. I painted a, a, just a unit today, and I'm going to put out a little bit of a painting instruction. I tried to do a video, but I failed miserably with the technology and also the fact that I had to have a camera kind of in my chest when I did it and it didn't really zoom really well and I realized it's a skill doing it so I probably go back to my blog and write some pictures uh, because I took pictures as, as I painted but but it's basically you know take you about you know most people maybe an hour or two to paint a, a base depending on on you know some are going to listen back to this and get angry that they spend a lot of time on it. Sorry, but I'm just, that's the kind of speed I, I think, you know, uh, it might take to paint this. Maybe infantry, if people are not used to a little bit longer. But all that is, and, and uh, to kind of paint this and then kind of bring it all together. And as I said again, uh, based on the fact that we're going to base it uh, in a unified way, I think it will look like a, a really nice army in the end, you know, and hopefully it, it will be something that we can kind of showcase and and you know may, maybe it's it's an idea for someone else to consider or pick up we had a, some people from abroad who who got back to me and were interested and so on but unfortunately there, there are several reasons for it first of all the cost of sending nine six millimeter you know mounted units to somewhere abroad to be painted but also the fact is very difficult right now as peter was saying the actual postal service etc 
uh, and you know maybe that's something that someone would want to consider or maybe those could be some someone abroad who want to send, set it up etc in, in perhaps their part of the world I don't know but uh, so I'm sorry whoever wanted to join and couldn't because of the geographical location but but please kind of follow it we're going to kind of have regular updates as we get along uh, as these imaginary kind of worlds uh, develop a little bit it's not going to be kind of extensive in that sense but it's just to put a little bit of a setting and history already developed as i said flags and the base uniforms for it so uh, i'm very excited uh, and on my I, I have a blog called roller1.com if you go there then it's the latest blog post talks about this project and goes through a little bit in more in detail what's going on but it's kind of worth following because i hope that uh, uh, the people who actually are painting will get some kind of joy of this and so this is my kind of joy of six uh, this year to try to do this instead hopefully it will work well so I have no reason to believe it won't people already kind of engaged and uh, sharing knowledge etc we have a little internal kind of email and I'll, I'll probably share some of that in rewritten form on, on the blog uh, maybe on a weekly basis I mean, now I'm I'm witnessing all this. Pear has created a, a really nice little community of uh, of gamers there, and, and they are sharing and passing ideas around and bouncing ideas off as, as gamers tend to do. And uh, I think it has to be hugely commended for, for the initiative, and I'm I'm really happy to support it. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I kind of it 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 grows on me as more and more, and especially because I was a little bit nervous to whether we get takers, you know, and I thought it would be kind of a few that I, I would know. And I assumed, that, you know, I, I guessed a few that actually did attend, but then there's quite a few come along that uh, I didn't know, etc. and so on uh, previously. And, and I'm quite happy with that. And, and I hope that, you know, for whatever it is, that, that we don't have any kind of trouble along the way and so on. And I hope we kind of take it with a, with a joyous stride because that's what it's all about. And, uh, I can't wait, you know, to have uh, a situation where uh, I can actually kind of start spacing them and uh, put it on the table because I, I firm believe that it's going to look great. And I really hope it will do uh, when, when everything is kind of put together. We also had, uh, I also asked uh, Mark Backhouse, who writes in Wargame Soldiers and Strategy, to join as a commander for the, the Swedish side. So he, he is uh, King Marcus Bakus, which is his kind of uh, character. He's the, he's the king of Denswe, and uh, he's a quite rash, uh, a little bit reckless uh, king. I'm not sure who I based him on. And uh, then uh, I've asked Sidney Roundwood as well, who is uh, famous for Roundwood's World, because this is the kind of era that... Uh, Sydney's blog is just full of uh, characters from, uh, you know, the late uh, 17th century. And I thought he was a natural to be the commander of the uh, Russian or, or the Sierra uh, side, uh, which in, in this kind of imaginary setting is a more flamboyant and perhaps about 30, 40 years earlier in its development than the Russia we know from, uh, from real history. So I thought maybe uh, Sydney would be a little bit elaborate and flamboyant with his things there. Yeah. I, I love the thought of that pair. That's um, and and to echo Peter's comments, absolutely to be commended for pulling this together because 
Um, I, I can imagine the nervousness when you first put the shout out uh, for people to join in. Uh, would would anybody come along? And uh, you've been it's been proved that uh, it's a it's a very popular idea, and that there's a a very yes six mil is, is a niche uh, market, but th there's a there's a community out there that I've got a passion for it, uh, like we have, uh, and they've come together, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the results of it. Yes, yeah, so am I, and, and I think I think it'll be be fun. Then we'll see what we kind of do with it, you know, in the sense that uh, you know um, I I I will with with the little one or, or Max, my son. We, we we will do some games. I've already thought about and and write about some some write-ups about those. But whether we kind of then sell it or whether we kind of try to run some game at a show with it or something like that, I don't know yet. But I, I just I don't want to hold on it too long. Uh, you know, in the sense that someone might get kind of nervous about whether I'm, I'm not selling them off, because that is my kind of the key. The key objective is that it's not for personal gain. This is a community project, you know, in that sense. So, but we'll see. You know, we have 45 people have a vote now. What we do with it? So, uh, that's that's how we pull it. So, uh, but but we can't start arguing what we do until we painted it all up. So, it's a later issue. Yeah, one step at a time. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Peter, are you painting a unit? <laughs> are, they, are they too small for you, 24-figure units? Um, I, I, I don't know if you've quite twigged this yet, but I've got quite a few bits and pieces to paint for, for Bacchus. <laughs> and uh, I I'm proof I can paint six figures. The whole idea of this was, was for, for Pear to reach out. Yes. And uh, that, that is done. So, um, yeah. It, it was a flipping. It was a flipping comment, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm not painting anything either for this project because I, I am painting some example bases which we use, but they will not be included in this uh, in the art. Well, I, I might put them in there, but they are not part of the of the basic thing. So I'm not painting. That was the kind of one of the things uh, I th I thought that I. If people would not sign up, I would paint whatever was left. But there is nothing left to paint, so uh, it's really. It, it, I, I will base these and uh, put some flags on them. Uh, that's that's my job in the end. So looking forward to conversation, conversation with Pearl when he first floated it, and he was really nervous about the fact he wouldn't get any take up. Uh, I was trying to convince him he would be always subscribed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was true, Per? Yeah, it is. And, and, and I also, what I also like, because the second one, the second fear I have, but now I'm not worried because I, I kind of, I've seen the kind of take up and the kind of people are there. I'm not so worried. What I was worried about would get a lot of people to sign up potentially and then just to see what a six mil miniature is. But I, I, I am kind of, that, that fear, I think, you know, there might be someone who, for whatever reason, personal or whatever might not be able to finish it that's fine but i, I just I, I just sense i have a good feeling about this overall team we have assembled and and if someone listening now and and uh, is part of this 44 or part of us 45 and if you have a problem painting your unit then just let me know and we'll, we'll deal with it you know uh, it's 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 not the end of the world but i rather we kind of get all units kind of painted and based up and if i need to help then i'll help but try uh, try your first 
first. It's not that it's it's not impossible, and it will look good from three feet. Whatever you do, don't don't despair. Don't get nervous. You know, it's fine. I, li- I like to think, pair, that uh, within the six mil community, uh, there's a certain standard of gentlemen that participates, having realised the joys of six millimeter. Yeah. That uh, people who have signed up uh, to a project like this will will see it through. I, I am I'm willing to put my reputation on the line here on the podcast here and now that uh, everybody will come through with their units and it will be a roaring success. Well, uh, so so I, actually, so am I, uh, that, and that's based on the fact that I've seen now who who has kind of signed up. So I'm no longer so it was two fears in one go, and I'm actually not not really worried about it anymore i just hope that uh you know i don't do something on the way that upsets someone or whatever you know uh so that's all you know <laughs> I, I can't see that happening there at all um, and i think i think with the choice of mark uh, backhouse and uh, sydney roundwood involved as the uh, as the two head honchos of uh, these imaginations uh i think that i think that really brings that sort of uh, the the cherry on top of the cake if you like uh, for them to have that involvement, certainly uh, they're, they're well known within the community, um, and I, I'm looking forward to see what they do with uh, their figures, especially Sydney's, because I'm told his dress sense is uh, s- somewhat out there, um, out, out of the ordinary. So uh, I expect his figure to be suitably dressed in in something flamboyant. Yeah, I mean the trousers will be red, you know. So uh... <laughs> yes. <laughs> So here, so here. So the all the names are in for the participants. Um, yep. I know that you've sent out the chart with the colours. I've got my own regiment um, with uh, blue coats and light purple facings, which I'm looking to looking forward to having a go at. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- th- I mean, I'm sorry for someone who got the colour light brown. Yeah. <laughs> but but and and maybe I should have sold it a little bit better. The the actual official name of the era would be cinnamon. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So so uh, yeah. But I kind of yeah. <laughs> so I, I thought that was a little bit. Uh, uh, and I'm sorry, Ian, especially who who kind of. But but it will look brilliant on the day. I promise you. It will look brilliant. I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, once once you've got that cohesive basing uh, going on, then uh, it's going to bring the whole project together, isn't it? Absolutely, and I and I think you know, uh, you know that is a proof in itself, you know, to what what you can kind of do with with six mil. That uh, really, you know, it's uh, and I, I sometimes I've said this to some people because people might follow me and so on. I, I kind of like certain types of shot on my six mil. You know, I like the kind of when you see something in focus and the rest is kind of blurred or whatever, and it it looks. You know, as good as you can. When you look quickly, you know, uh, of course, when you look in detail, you see that it's not because a six millimeter figure, you know, up in, in normal size doesn't look like a normal person. I mean, it's neither does a 28 millimeter in that sense, but it's perhaps easier to paint it to a certain level. Yes. But uh, it's, it's the fact that, you know, most kind of, of the times, the way you look at your six mil figures and when you play with them, it doesn't really matter you know the, the the difference between you know really really well painted which i don't paint but i would say i i i think i have a reasonable good standard but but there are some people who do amazing work if you go on six millimeter 
forums, etc., who, who basically pay, paint three different shades of, of you know, the uniforms, etc., almost a foundry system and so on. And as I always say, that's great and I love it. I just kind of, for my projects, don't have time to do that, you know, to produce the kind of hundreds of bases. But actually, when you take a base, maybe not like that, I don't know, because I've never used them. But when you take a base I've done at very good level compared to some of the early stuff I did at at more beginner level, and I have them on the table, you don't see any difference when we play, you know. Yes. It's when you pick it up, you see it. So I think that is one of the things. And it doesn't mean that you can't see the detail. But what I'm saying is that you will see guys there with yellow cuffs and a, and a blue coat, you know, and whether that is painted by, you know, Leonardo da Vinci or by me, it will look pretty much the same from three feet. Yes, agreed. Agreed. People can get too hung up, can't they, on on, on the painting? Um, and it's it's an old story. And I know, Peter, uh, talk, you've talked yourself blue in the face, haven't you, about painting something so small. Uh, you know, we won't tread over that ground again, but it's, it's a it's a mantra that we've talked about uh, that I think people do still stick to the thought of painting the individual rather than the unit. Yeah, yeah, but we'll break with the habit. Yes, yeah, we'll we get there eventually. eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and my my motto is sort of to turn that on the head. I don't know how people can paint anything so big when. They're painting the 28 mil because they, how can you ever get anything done? How can, how can you ever finish a you know a 36 figure or 24 well, figure unit of, of whatever? I have to say, Sean, that particular little conundrum that you just raised is one of the reasons why we've been so busy. Um, there is, and, and it is an identifiable, definite trend of people saying we're not going to play. Uh, big battle gauge with 28 mil figures because it's taking too long. Doesn't matter because they're cheap, because they're plastic. You still got to paint them, and yeah. the required investment in time and effort is immense nowadays because people feel they have to paint like the glossy in the magazines. Yeah, but they still got the the itch to scratch. They just want to play the big games, and they're realizing you know you downscale, and yes. so a lot of the groundwork that's been put down over the years about telling people we can get on with it is, is, is beginning to bear fruit and that's why we are, are busy and I think all the six mill manufacturers are busy for that yes. trend, that shift that is happening in the hobby. Yeah. And and long, I think long, you must have seen the action. Yeah, long long may it continue, absolutely, because um I think I think there is that shift, that paradigm shift isn't there away from um uh, it's the realisation that, I may have talked about this before, I've, I saw a game um, at Reading uh, where somebody had put on the Battle of Blenheim and it was absolutely beautiful in 28mm. It was beautiful. It really was amazing. But the cost of the figures alone, not and not only the, not the time investment to paint them, but the cost of the figures alone was something like £10,000. And the, pa the painting of thousands of 28 millimeter figures it's just ridiculous isn't it to think that in today's day and age anybody walking into a war game show and seeing that display as good as it is it's unachievable isn't it well to, to use an off-quoted term i don't know how they have the patience yeah 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 and they're great you know it's not to, um 
I'm full of admiration for people who, like the Perrys, for instance, at Partizan, they will put on some amazing displays. But they've generally got half a dozen or a dozen professional painters that are painting the units for them um, and putting on these 12 foot by 6 foot games with figures that they've sculpted. So they haven't, uh, other than the cost of the metal, they've, they've got it at sort of wholesale price, if you like. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the friends have come in and painted all these units. But it's not something you can go to a show um, and walk in as a newcomer to the hobby and say, well, how long is it going to take me to produce what you've got there on this 12 foot by six foot table with 2000 figures? How much, how long is it going to take and how much is it going to cost? Well, it's just entirely prohibitive, isn't it? So uh, anyway, I'm preaching to the converted. I tend to go on a rant about this every now and then, but, 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 but I think, I mean, the thing is because I, I do enjoy, you know, different scales and so on as we, as we always said we kind of it's it's as i always say it's a tool you know and it's a tool yeah. for certain things you know and and you know as i said before although i've dabbled and just for fun done skirmish in six mil it's yeah. not perfect for that you know in that sense at all you know but you know when you want to do big battles and, and i have a friend and he's kind of he he bought himself like a, a force for uh, and he painted them up, and he's playing sharp practice. And I played with him as 28 a few times, and it's lovely, yeah. But he has this kind of aspiration that he's going to kind of paint six times the amount because he's going to then do big battle, Napoleonic <laughs> battles one day in 28 mil, you know. And and he just doesn't give up this idea, you know that. Uh, and I'm thinking, so I said to him, well, you know, because I already painted a sixth, yeah. And I'm saying, well, what? Okay, well, how long did it take? It took you two and a half years to paint this stuff, yeah. Why don't you just stick with yeah. this and then spend the next two and a half years painting up, you know, enough so you can play the whole Napoleonic War in six mil, you know, in, in, mm. instead, you know, of painting another two six, which you can do shit all with, you know. So yeah. kind of like, so therefore, but but I think, you know, because, and, and that's another, you know, way of looking at it is that, look, you don't need to kind of start skirmishing in 28 and then go up to the bigger scales, but actually you can do the skirmish in one scale and maybe you know do 15 10 or 6 whatever in in the bigger battles uh and yeah. uh, you know there you go so yeah, i've got to say i'll pick up can i pick up a point you made earlier and yeah. you just said the tools i mean it is a matter of correcting of using the right tool for the right job yeah 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 if, if the bigger the battle you want to fight the smaller figure you need the smaller the action the larger the figure and it's, it's a pretty straightforward continuum uh, and the moment that you start using the inappropriate tool you're going to hit problems like say six mil ain't great for skirmish it can be done but it gets fiddly 28 54 ain't good for doing big 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 battles because you start running out of space for the table you take the time to paint it's just where the action that you wish to play fits along that line i mean i, I i've had a reputation over the years of just being really anti 28 mil and, and you know this grow horns a tail when people mention my name at one stage it isn't that it was just this idea that if you're going to use the wrong tool for, for the wrong for the wrong job you're not going to get the results you need and that's all it's ever been about i have 28 mil figures i have my english war skirmish stuff very venerable and if I was going to do skirmish in 
that way in any of the period, that's what I would use. I certainly wouldn't go to six as a go-to for that, uh, because I don't think it would be as effective. Uh, and also, you invest in a skirmish, you invest in the individual, so you can take the time to paint and paint the figure up and do what you like with it, because it's more appropriate to that stage. You cannot paint 3,000 individuals if you want to fight a big game, because you, the investment uh, return is, is wrong. Right, gentlemen, that's been a fascinating talk. We have witted on for, uh, with, with some technical issues for around about an hour and a half now. I'm very conscious of uh, both of your precious time. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about anything we've discussed tonight? The, the only thing I would like to add is it's nice that you kind of picked up the, the podcast again, Sean. Uh, it's, uh, I remember uh, Friday evening of six last year, Listening to your part zero, yeah. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, in a in, in a hotel, we just arrived for the. Uh, we had been out and about in Sheffield there in the evening, and it was about the show you were going to start, and it seemed like you mentioned uh, the fact that you've been on on my kind of web page and had a look and inspired this and that, and and so so it kind of feels really nice that you're back. And thanks for asking me to come and contribute and have a little chat about what i've been up to so i really appreciate that thank you yeah, not at all it's um... and i'll second i'll second that sean it is really good to hear your voice to hear you doing this again uh, you do a great service for the whole six community the wargaming community and it's good to have you back really good and long may that continue very very kind of you both you but you're both instrumental as to why i'm here absolutely and um, so i'll send that thanks back but Yes, uh, it's it's a rocky road sometimes, life is, isn't it? And uh, you have to navigate your way through it uh, the best way that you can and just hope things are going to turn out okay in the end. And uh, you've just got to have that faith, haven't you? And I, th I think this community uh, is fantastic. The number of emails and messages over social media I've had over the last few months asking uh, when the next episode be, would be or whether I was ever going to come back uh, has been great and the support since I've announced that uh, it would be resurrected for a second I like to think of it now as the second season as opposed to uh, <laughs> we, we had season one which uh, just bedded the uh, the principles of the podcast in and we're now into into a stride in, in the second season so um, it's it, yeah it's been heartwarming absolutely and the number the number of downloads has really surprised me um, for every every episode that we've put out so far, uh, and it shows that there is an audience, audience uh, for it, and 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 people seem to uh, react rather well to it. So uh, yes, it, it shall continue, and um, I'm looking forward to sitting on that panel uh, at the Joy of Six, Peter, that you uh, bullied me into. I think last time we spoke, I seem to have you volunteered. Oh right, okay. okay. <laughs> a volunteer is better well, than a accept your proposal grudgingly. <laughs> okay. Well, yes, especially if pairs on there as well. It'll, uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be a good time, and uh, I look forward to it, and, and, and much better, healthier, and safer times for us all. Um, on that note, then uh, we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, Peter, that if you did wish to open that shopping cart just for the Pony Wars. Uh, just, just for me and Pear to test it out as a sort of <laughs> a proof of concept thing. Then I'm yeah, sure we'll both exactly, be willing. Yeah. 
<laughs> you both get a nice try badge. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's better than a poke in the eye, I suppose. Well, or, 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 yes. or we could get a yellow ribbon each, maybe. Oh, Sorry. yes, a yellow ribbon. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, very appropriate. Yes, like it. Excellent. Very good movie. Anyway. Okay, gents. Well, thanks very much for your time. Um, and we will no doubt speak again in the very near future. So it's oh, it's good night from me. And I suppose good night from me. And me too. Excellent. And from him. <laughs> and from him. With the smile on his lips and his left hand and fifth upon his shoulder, right and gay. As the train moved out, he said, Remember me to all the birds. Then he wagged his paw and went away to war, shouting out these pathetic words. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, I'm a dear baby, dear from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know. I'll be single the death we don't cry. Don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky. Oh, my old sin, kill your goodbye. At the concert down at Kew, some convalescents dressed in blue. At the here, Lady Lee, who had turned 83, sing all the old, old songs she knew. Then she made a speech and said, I look upon you boys with pride. And for what you've done, I'm going to kiss each one. Then they all grab their sticks and cry. Goodbye, goodbye. Oh, and a dear baby, dear from your eye. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know. I'll be because I guess to go. Don't cry, don't cry. There's a silver lining in the sky. Little private Patrick saw he was the prisoner of war. Till the hun with the gun called it pig dog for fun, and Paddy punched him on the door. Right across the barbed wire fence, the German dropped in his ear, oh dear. All the wire gave away and Paddy yelled, hooray, as he ran for the Dutch frontier. Goodbye, goodbye, oh, I'm a dear baby, dear from your eyes. Though it's hard to pass, I know, I know, I'll be single and it's a go. Don't cry, don't cry, there's a silver lining in the sky. Okay, I'll uh, I'll do a bit of an introduction, gents, and then uh, we'll we'll get on. So, welcome to. Oh, sorry, yes, go on. <laughs> I know the first half of this you're going to be asking me questions, but pair, you feel free to chip in. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You might do, but I'll try not to do much. You know, pair, consider yourself as the second host of the show at this point for the first half. But consider yourself as the Mike Hobbs to my uh, Neil Shuck, if you will. Fair enough. <laughs> you don't have to put a Welsh accent on there. No, no, I won't. I won't. Fair enough. <laughs> okay, great. So, um, 